Welcome to the Take 10 Podcast. This is Rob. Glad you guys could join us today. I know these things are hit and miss. They're, they come, they go, we do them, we don't. Uh, that's just due to my schedule. So, um, But today, um, I want to get on here and do a actually a full message um, that I just taught uh, recently. And so um, I just wanted to uh, share that with you guys today. So um, if you would join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, we thank you for this time that we get to spend together in your word, Lord. Um, just bless this uh, this day and bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So yeah, this is a message that I uh, recently did. Um, it's called Defeating Worry. And um and we're just gonna we're just gonna jump into this thing. Uh, the, you know, we just uh, worry is something that that uh, is something that, that that we're all affected by at some point in our lives, maybe even even daily. It is constantly hammering us. You know, it, it, worry is just constantly pressing us down and hammering us, and and uh, we know that, and also Satan knows this as well. And constant worry. Uh, this can affect your brains. According to a Princeton study, a person who is preoccupied with financial worries, let's say, they uh, see on the average a drop in congenitive function equal to 13 points of your IQ. Now, this is crazy because this is equal to the effects of losing a whole night of sleep. Imagine losing a whole night of sleep. I mean, this, is, this affects you when you lose sleep or you don't get enough sleep. Let's say just with four hours sleep, you don't really do well. But can you imagine losing a night of sleep? Uh, it, it begins to have its toll on your body. And this is what happens when we worry. Uh, it, 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 it takes a, a night of sleep away from us. Also, the hormones that, that flood the brain during any time of stress have been linked to a damaging loss of, of brain mass and other physical issues as well. And other studies have shown that the people with the highest level of the hormone cortisol, known as the stress hormone, suffered the most memory loss and damage to some parts of their brain. Now, this all equals that it is not good. Worry is not good. It, 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 it's just it's not it's not a, it's not a good thing. It's it can it can do uh, physical uh, damage to uh, to the brain and it does physical damage to us uh, and our bodies. So what are some of the things that people worry about? Well, one is failure, failure. You know, this is failure to uh, maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's uh, in in whatever. Um, you know, it could be in your relationships. It could be, uh, you know, anything. Um, people are worried about failure. Well, they're also worried about finances, maybe never having enough money. Maybe that is something that is on their minds. And then relationships, you know, they, they worry about relationships, you know, Hey, I, I want to get into a relationship. Is this the right relationship? Or, you know, you're in a relationship. Is this working? Uh, whatever it is. So relationships are something that people worry about. And also job security. That's 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 one too. Am I safe at my job? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to keep my job? You know, that's something that uh, also uh, people daily worry about. People worry about health. Are they healthy enough? Are they going to die? Are they not going to die? And then also people are afraid of the future. They are uh, they're worried about the future. And these are things that some people. These are just some of the things that people worry about. But we must not let worry consume us. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. 
And it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, as we read this verse, Paul is, he begins by saying, be anxious for nothing. Now, this is not an option for us. This isn't something that we think about or, or, or we pray about doing. This is something that we do. This is something that we need to, to take almost like a command. I believe whatever you are worrying about today does not belong to you. It belongs to God. He goes on to say in this, uh, Paul goes on to say um, that in this, uh, everything by prayer and supplication. Notice he wrote everything, meaning everything is subject to of prayer, not just in some areas of our lives, but in all areas of our lives, because there are, there are not some uh, areas of our lives that, that are no concern to God. Every area of our life is a concern to God. Now, if you look at the words, nothing and everything, he says, he says, uh, be anxious or, or don't worry about nothing, but everything. He replaces that word with everything is, is by prayer. So we need to be praying Prayers are communication with God. It carries the idea of of adoration or or devotion and worship as well. Supplication is directly asking God for something. Sometimes we don't directly ask for God. We beat around the bush uh, a good number of the time and and we don't really ask God for what he like what he is you know what we're asking you know what we want to ask God for we beat around the bush we dance around it instead of just coming out and asking him and then also it says thanksgiving this is showing an appreciation to God or giving thanks when we when we thank God for everything i'm sure it pleases him because uh, what what thanksgiving does is is when we thank God for things it keeps us from griping and complaining about our situations if you really look at what thanksgiving is so we we i'm sure God loves that and there is a right way of praying, and I think this is what Paul is talking about. These is, this is the right way of praying by doing these things. And then finally, he says, be made known. Be made known. You're probably saying, I know, Rob, but Paul, Paul says be made known here. I get that. But doesn't God already know what our requests are before we pray for them? Well, of course he does. Yes, he knows this. And he will often wait for our participation through prayer before giving us that which we ask. Like, think about that. If we, you know, the Bible does say, if you don't, you know, if you don't, you don't get because you don't ask. Well, we need to ask God. We need to participate uh, in that. And that is, uh, you know, that is uh, uh, praying to God and he won't give us anything unless we ask him. So we ask him through prayer. And so the direct context within this passage today is Paul is talking about taking it to God instead of us trying to do it on our own. We don't need to worry. We don't need to worry. All we need to do is trust. We need to trust God. We need to pray to him. Remember, he replaces the word nothing with everything. So therefore, we cannot worry. So let's let's look at some ways that we can defeat worry today. If you have a if you have if you like to take notes, you can go ahead and do that. The first one is we need to be prayerful. Be prayerful. Uh, Luke 18 verse 1 says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You see, Jesus is saying that we are to always pray. If we don't, we will be like what Warren Wiersbe describes as a person that is faint. And that word is used to describe someone who loses heart. They get so discouraged 
that they 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 did just give up. They 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 completely one hundred percent give up. That is somebody that is that is faint. But know that every redeemed follower in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know this: that every uh, redeemed follower of Jesus is given an open door before the Lord Almighty. We have, we've been given that. And it says, because it's the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness has given us access to the throne room of grace. If we have access to the throne room of grace, then we need to be using it. We need to use that. And so he's inviting us to do this. Even though we read in the scriptures that it is a command for us to pray, we should never view prayer as that. We should never, it, it does command us to pray, but we should never view prayer as something we have to do. We should view it as something we get to do. It is a privilege. It is something that we get to do. So why should we pray? Maybe you ask yourself, well, I'm going through this. I'm going throughout. Then why should we pray? Well, the answer is simple because prayer works. Better yet, God works when we pray. God works when we pray. It was Oswald Chambers who said this on prayer, and I quote, every time we pray, our horizon is altered. Our attitude to things is altered. Not sometimes, but every time. And the amazing thing is that we don't pray more. I think that, that, that sums it up right there. We don't pray more. Prayer has power. There's power in prayer. Things change. God works when we pray. But the amazing thing is, is when we know that true, then we don't pray. We don't pray enough, or we don't, we, we don't pray at all, or we don't pray more. If it works, why don't we pray more? If prayer changes things and works, then why don't people just simply pray? I guess that's the, the, the question you can, you can ask yourself. Why don't people just simply pray? Well, I can tell you why. Some things is uh, many Christians neglect their communion with God. Many Christians neglect prayer and communicating with God because, well, they are overly occupied. They're, they're, they're occupied with material pursuits. That is career. That's finding somebody. That's money. You know, it's all those things where we're, we're more in, uh, what's more important is, is our pursuits of the material things of this world. And so we don't pray to God like we should. I mean, maybe you are praying. I don't know. You could be saying, well, you know what? I am praying. But are you praying? Do you pray more? Do you pray about everything or do you pray for certain things? God invites us to communicate. He wants to spend time with us. And that's how we communicate with him is through prayer. But many Christians, uh, they're doing other things in life, and there's things that are occupying their time, and uh, they don't pray as much. But see, the worry or stress of life, it, it's the, the reason why people don't pray is the worry and stress of life, it, it plagues the Christian. It, pray, it plagues those who fail to pray as they should. We try and, and cope with it on our own. We try to you know, cope with these things on our own, but every time we do, we fail. Our first line of defense is trying to, to figure out on how to deal with life when our first line of defense should be prayer. God already knows. God already knows what, what, what is happening in our lives. He already sees the pitfalls in our lives. We've talked about that on this, um, on this podcast before uh, through the devos that we've had. God sees the bumps. He sees the holes. So he already knows how to go through this life. Yet we try to do it on our own, which we don't see those things. So we need to ask God. We need to pray to God instead of worrying about those things. We need to pray, and God will give us uh, that, that, that answer. So to defeat worry, we must depend on the power of prayer. And we must depend on the power of our almighty God. His power is infinite, and it never fails. 
That's, gosh, if there's any other reasons to pray, that's one right there, that his power is infinite and that he doesn't change and, and, and it'll, his, his, his power will never fail. And we are also urged to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Paul is saying as Christians, we are to continually, or, or like Jesus said, always be praying, never stopping, never stopping. I mean, if you, if you want something that, or something's uh, making you anxious, what, are you going to pray about it once and hope that God delivers? No, I mean, God's going to do it in his timing. But see, it's all, of, it's, it's all in our minds. We're the ones that are being anxious. Well, God's not hurrying enough. I, I, I need to have this answer uh, tomorrow. And nine times out of 10, we really don't need that answer tomorrow. We just want the answer tomorrow. But God is trying to grow us. But we should never stop praying. Jesus says we ought to pray uh, earlier. And this is uh, uh, in First Thessalonians. It says that we, uh, that we are to pray without ceasing. If we are the children of God and we are counted righteous, then we must pray because it helps or it'll benefit us. Look at James 5.16. It says the effective, the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. If we are talking with the Lord and, 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 and we have no unconfessed sin, then things get done, right? Prayer, we can, we can pray to God. But if we have... Uh, unconfessed sin, maybe that's one reason that we worry. Uh, and, well, you know, I, I, I try, I pray to God, but he didn't answer me and, or he's not hearing me. Do you have unconfessed uh, sin in your life? If you do, you need to first John 1, 9, that thing. And that is, con- you know, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he being God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's where you start. If you have any unconfessed sin, confess it and then come to the Lord. James points to the effective nature of prayer when it's fervent and offered by a righteous man. Pray it and believe it. There is power in prayer. I've heard this said before. When such a power of prayer is granted, faith should immediately be called into exercise that the blessing may be given. The spirit of prayer is the proof that the power of God is present. That's amazing. That is amazing. And Charles Spurgeon said this uh, on, on prayer, and I quote, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the arm of omnipotence. That means it moves the, the, the power of God. Prayer moves the power of God. Again, God works when we pray. So we need to be prayerful. Also, number two, we need to be positive. It was legendary basketball coach John Wooden who asked this great question regarding being positive when he said this, and I quote, why is it easier to fear, uh, why is it easier to tear someone down than to build them up? Why is it easier to be negative rather than it is to be positive? That's a great question. If you really think about that question, that's a, that's a great question. Well, look at Philippians 4, 8. It says this, Finally, brethren, Paul speaking, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, look at Paul's lists of things to meditate on. They're all positive things. When we put these kinds of things in our minds, they stay there and they will come forth from us. That's why he's saying meditate on these things because you're going to meditate and you're going to learn from them and then it's going to just easily flow from you. It's going to become a part of you. And, and, pos- and positive does, positivity does that. Negativity can do the same thing. So we've got to be positive. 
What Paul is describing here is a, a better and practical way to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Yet some Christians possess negative attitudes. They look for the bad in people, and they look for the bad in their circumstances. They never have a good thing to say about anybody. Well, I don't like that person. Well, I don't like that pastor. I don't like the way he teaches. I don't like, you know, my next door neighbor because of this, that, or the other. They always look for the bad in people. And you know people like that? I, I know people like that. And it's like, come on, man. Can you say something negative or say, say something positive now? Because they're always negative. They always have something bad to say about somebody. And they also, if they do that, then they look at their circumstances and they never find the positive in their circumstances. It's always negative. Well, if God loved me, he wouldn't let me go through this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's different because that's Satan telling you that. Satan says, you know what? If God loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this. And God says, I love you. That's why I'm allowing you to go through this. It's just a different state of mind. You have to, you have to believe that. You got to be positive. But people, they do. They look for the bad uh, in people, and they look for the bad in their circumstances. We can win over worry by replacing negatives with positives, by looking for the good in others and looking for the good in, in, in our circumstances. We need to look at people and, okay, we're not perfect, but, man, there might be a few things that you, you might not like about that person. But, man, look for, the, look for the good. That's where you start. That's where you start. And look at your circumstances. God has you, doing, God has you going through this for a reason. He's allowing uh, you to go through this. So you need to allow or you need to, to be positive in your circumstances. And the psalmist admonished us in this when uh, he, he wrote this in Psalm 32, 11. He said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You see, this psalm gives us reasons to be positive. A positive believer has gladness because we are in Christ. We should rejoice and even shout because we are upright in heart. Now, what is upright in heart? It's somebody who is uh, straight or correct or right. So if we have this, if we have this, uh, this, 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 these positive uh, things in us, we should be rejoicing. We should, we should be shouting for joy because we are found in Christ. Our circumstances don't define our joy. Our joy is knowing Christ, being loved by Christ, and being saved by Christ. Additionally, if you're upright in heart, you can be glad. You can be joyful and rejoice. You can do these things, but you've got to be positive. You've got to be positive. And number three is be purposeful. Well, what is purposeful? It means having or, or showing determination or resolve. Look at Ephesians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, God had a purpose. God had a purpose, and that purpose was the gospel, the purpose of the plan to bring about salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, this purpose was even done before Genesis 1-1 was written. You see, God had this purpose. The Father decreed it, the Son implemented it, and the Holy Spirit empowered it. So the church has eternal roots in the purpose and the plan of God. So if God had a plan— or if God had a purpose, then we should have a purpose as well. So God, he had this purpose of salvation, then we must have a purpose. But sadly, many people live without purpose. They merely just exist from day to day with little hope. Do you know people like that? Or maybe that's even you. 
We can't do that. We have a purpose. Like I said, if God had a purpose, we have a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, I don't know. You We got to pray and figure that out. What is your purpose? It could be preach the gospel to your neighbor. It could be go feed uh, the homeless. It could be whatever, whatever it is. God, you have a purpose and you have to know this purpose. So God had a purpose. Christ lived with purpose. He came to die that we might have eternal life. Look at Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That is a reason to be excited. That is a reason to, to, to live for purpose. It's just that last one. We shall be saved from wrath through him being Jesus. You look at this world today and you look at the crazy stuff that's going on, this, the, you know, these people that have lost their minds, that, that are burning down cities, and they're, 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 they call them peaceful protests, but come on. Peaceful protests would just say, hey, we're against that. But no, there's vulgar language being done. There's, there's buildings being burned down. There's churches that are being threatened. All because of the murdering of babies. That is crazy. That's crazy. But all these people, if they don't turn from their wicked ways and they keep doing all these things, they will have a day of wrath. Well, we won't have that because we've been saved from it by Jesus Christ. So Jesus had purpose. The beautiful thing about this uh, is God's purpose was demonstrated. It was demonstrated. And that's because he loved us. It was his love. He loves us, and even when we weren't what we should have been before we were saved, and we aren't what we should be even now, he died for us, and we are saved from God's wrath. Can I get an amen or a hallelujah? So you, so you see, Christ had purpose. If we would win over worry, we must live with purpose. Like I said, our purpose uh, should include doing God's will, always giving him first place in our lives. Well, how do we do that? How do we give God first place in our lives? Well, John chapter 3, verse 30 explains it pretty simply when he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. John says he, being Jesus, must increase, meaning the will he has for my life, the things he wants to do in me and through me. The blessings he wants to give, those things must increase. But in order to do that, I must decrease. This means the worthless pursuits that don't bring him glory, the lust of the flesh, the selfish desires, these must decrease. If you do that, that is giving him first place in your life. That's where we need to be. And then finally, we need to be productive. We must be busy about our father's business. John 15, 5 says this, and Jesus speaking, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit or without, for without me, you can do nothing. You see, if we are abiding in him, then there will be some evidence called fruit. When used here, it means works or, or, or act or a deed. So we must be abiding in him. That means being in him. When we, we, we must do this, and we must be serving the Lord, doing work for him. But again, some Christians are lax where God's work is concerned. They're, 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 they're laxed. They don't, you know, it took, listen, it took a huge trial in my life to get me to serve at church. I was like the, the guy that wanted to come home on Sundays, watch football, I'd go to church as a check mark, 
And then sometimes I would go Wednesdays, you know, maybe if I felt like it, you know, and, and, and it wasn't till a trial came in my life that I started serving. And that's, like I said, you know, putting all everything else aside that, that, like I said, I decreased, but I made, I made sure Jesus was increasing, man. I was reading the Bible more. I was praying more. I got involved and, and man, it just took me to places that I never thought it would take me. It took all that to, 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 to allow me to learn how to serve God and love God. All that brought me to being a pastor, and, 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 and I see it now, uh, but back then I didn't see it, but man, I sure see it now. Like if it wasn't for that, who knows where I'd be? Who knows what I'd be doing? So doing God's work is even, is even more effective. When we're doing his work, it's effective. God does not need us. This is the thing we don't understand. God doesn't need us to accomplish his work, but he chooses to use us. So with that, we should be excited that he would even want to use us at all. We're broken. We're disgusting. We sin. Yet God still wants to use us. So we should be ready to give a smile, speak a kind word, do a good deed, or witness to the lost as the opportunity affords us. We should be willing to do these things, not we have to do these things. We should be willing. Serving God and his people is a good thing. Don't get tired of serving him. We will not be weary. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. That means doing good, doing good to all. All means showing the love of Jesus to the, to the, un, to the unbeliever. Showing them love, not being disrespectful because they don't believe in the Lord or not having anything to do with them. No, we need to show them love because we might be the closest thing to Jesus that they'll ever see. But he says, be good to all, but especially to those who are in the household of faith. Man, nothing can trip somebody up more than you proclaiming the word of, uh, of the Lord. You, you, you being a Christian, an ambassador for Christ, and you act like the world does. Man, nothing will trip somebody up more than that. So be ready, again, to, to give a smile, speak a kind word, do a good deed, preach the gospel when the opportunity arises. We need to do those things. God has given us gifts and resources, and we cannot let them go to waste. Paul says to, to, to not lose heart. We should seek to do good things with the resources that God has given us and to good, do good to all, but especially to those who are in God's family. We need to take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ. So what we talked about today is what it looks like to defeat worry and not let it consume us. So here's the reminder, reminding ourselves to pray always without stopping, without ceasing. We are to pray always. This is, if you want to defeat worry, we need to pray always. Every day, pray to God. Remember, with, 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 with um, um, thanksgiving, thanking him. But we need to, we need to, 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 let our requests be made known to him. And that's what's going to, if you, if you look back at, uh, at what uh, the, the opening verse said, it says that we are to be anxious or nothing, but pray about everything with supplication and thanksgiving, meaning asking God for stuff and thanking God for stuff. And listen, this is going to sound crazy, but thank God, that, thank God for the storm that you're going through because he's teaching you something through it. 
So we are to always pray without stopping. We also need to be reminding ourselves to be positive even when the world is negative. Yes, the world is negative, but that doesn't mean we need to be that way. Again, we, we are a reflection of Jesus. We need to be positive. We need to be positive and the world will be negative. Also, we're going to be reminding ourselves to, to have purpose as Jesus did. Have purpose. Doing the will of God. What is the will of God? Find out. What's God's will for you? Find out. He'll tell you. He wants to tell you. And then also we need to be reminding ourselves to be productive. Be serving. Be doing good. Don't lose heart in doing all this. Listen, Jesus is coming back soon. He is coming back soon. This world is getting nuts. I don't know if you guys saw it, but yesterday I saw a person that was at a, he was at a rally with a Bible. They tore the Bible out of his hands and they put it on the ground. They threw it onto the ground and they kicked it like a soccer ball back and forth to each other. And then what they did with it is they took it and they opened up a porta potty and they threw it down into the toilet. A Bible. We have lost our ever loving minds. So we've got, to, we've got to be preaching the gospel to this lost world. We've got to be productive. We've got to be doing our father's business, not worrying about what's going on in our situation, uh, but, being, but make sure that we are praying, making sure that, we are, that we're being positive, that we have purpose, and that we're being productive. Listen, this won't happen overnight. Just as over time we have let worry take hold of us, almost practicing it, uh, practicing it all the time, we have to instead... Be steadfast and put these in and put these things into practice, replacing all the time that we've let worry consume us. Now we need to let these things consume us, these good things. We need to trust the Lord and we need to depend on him for help because we need we need him to defeat worry. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for this time. We thank you for this message that you've given us, Father. Lord, I pray that anybody, if anybody is in here and they are worrying about stuff, Lord, that they wouldn't do that. Lord, they would turn to you. They would, they would, they would turn to you and listen uh, to, to what you have to say, Lord. So, Lord, we pray that uh, we can all do this. And, Lord, we pray that we will be productive and, and, we, and we won't worry. We'll be positive. God, we will be prayerful. Lord, please help us do these things. So we thank you. We love you, and we lift this day up to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, hey, that's all I have. I'm going to try to get on. I'll try to get on every week. I say, I know I say it all the time. I'll try to get on as much as I can, but uh, hopefully this, uh, this blesses you. And, um, you know, uh, just, just keeping, uh, keep looking up because uh, Jesus is coming soon, and uh, just be about uh, our Father's business. So until next time, God bless you guys. May he, may he keep you, and I uh, love you guys.